Well, good morning. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. I bring greetings from Brackenness Baptist Church, uh, and I just want to tell you, uh, to let you know that we are praying for you here in Henson. Uh, it's a great pre- pleasure uh, to do that, a privilege to do that. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to Psalm 88. Psalm 88. Before we get to the, to the psalm, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had a dream? So you dream, it's a, it's a lonely, dark dream, filled with fear and angst, filled with near-death experiences, and all of a sudden you wake up, just cold sweat on your brow, a panting heart and your breath, you can't catch your breath? Well, that's the picture we have today. The psalmist is one of those dreams. The, the psalmist is going through one of those dreams. Everywhere you, you look, you see darkness. You see loneliness and, and death. And this psalm is a long, desperate cry to God. Some people say that this is the darkest piece of Scripture in all of the Word. This is definitely the darkest psalm of the 150 psalms. And you see, the first, the psalmist finds his soul filled with trouble. Then he draws near to death. Then he even counts himself among the dead. So you can see, this is just a long, terrible nightmare. And then you might ask, Tommy, why did you choose to preach this psalm? Well, first of all, we are instructed to preach the whole counsel of God, right? But secondly... I believe we can identify with a psalmist. A life is tough. A life is filled with darkness. Filled with sin that, that brings harm and difficult, difficulty to live. So let's read the psalm and then we'll dig into it. Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to hear my cry. For my soul is full of troubles. And my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead. Like the slain that lie in the grave. Like those whom you remember no more. For they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your rest lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord, I speak out my, I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up and praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave? Or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness? Are your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, Cry to you, 
In the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Now before we go through the psalm, which I've divided into three sections, I'd just like for us to think about a few things. Just to keep in in our minds as we go through the psalm, And the first thing is we need to realize that all believers can go through a dark time. None of us are immune to suffering. Any believer can descend in the desperate dark pit of life. And it might even be for a long time, their whole life. It does not necessarily that they've sinned. It's always good if you go through troubles to, to search your soul to see whether you have sinned, but it's not necessarily the cause of sin. In my country, and I, and I suppose in your country as well, we, we have all these false teachers telling us that if you are going through a hard time, it's because of a lack of faith. It's because you have sinned. You need to repent and believe. Prosperity needs to be over your life And if you are in trouble, or if you are going through a hard time, it's because you don't have faith. Other people might even say, God is not in control. He created you, and He left you. Some people will go even as far as saying that there is no God. Now, From the outset, I want to let you know, and we need to fight those thoughts and realize that it's not true. None of that is true. We need to realize that God is sovereign. God is the creator of heaven and earth, and he is in control of everything in life. Brother, sister, we will only experience the freedom of trials when God comes again. Now, it's good to have a psalm like this, but it's also good to only have one of these psalms. It is good. Why is it good? It reminds reminds us of life. Life is tough. We work through trials. But it's good because it reminds us that we're not alone. It reminds us and pushes us to the light, the everlasting life that Christ has earned for us. Our dark times now makes the wonderful salvation plan that God gave us through His Son, Jesus Christ, Just so much lighter. The believer's life is not always happy and prosperous. I mean, today, even in the pastoral prayer, we heard about people that are that are ill, that are suffering. If your church is anything like me, my church, there are sinners in this church. And it causes breaking in relationships. There is unemployment. And all those things work as we live together. Now, this is the reality, and the psalm reminds us of this. Whether you know of someone that is in a dark pit, or whether you are experiencing the dark pit right now, troubles and trials should drive us 
to the light, to the Son, the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, the psalm. Let's look at the three sections, and then I'll have two wonderful rays of sunlight to shed on this dark psalm. And the first section is verses 1 to 7. The psalmist feels distant from God. He's praying to God. But God is silent. He's crying out, God of my salvation, hear my prayers. Which just shows us that the psalmist acknowledges that God is the only one that can save him. He is the God that can relieve him of these burdens. And he recognizes that God is sovereign. He says, God, bend down to me and hear me. Please do not turn your face away from me. Verse 2. His soul is overfilled with troubles and misery. And he just cannot take it anymore. It is so full that he's, he feels that he's near the grave. Verse 3. And the picture here, when I worked through this, the picture, the first picture that came to mind was, was Joseph. Joseph, right? Where his brothers caught him, threw him in a pit. He was lying there, helpless, just waiting for them to return to kill him. The psalmist says he feels useless, without energy. In verse 5, he says he's, he's fatally wounded. He cannot even climb out of the pit. He feels empty, being cut off from God. And he feels like God does not remember him. Verse 5. He feels the, hot, the heat of God's judgment, God's heated displeasure, and it lays heavy on his shoulders. Verse 7. And I can just picture that the Israelites went the same, through the same feeling in Exodus 29.19. Remember when Moses he went to Pharaoh and he said, God says, let my people go. What was Pharaoh's answer? Nope, I'm just going to double your workload now. You need to make your own bricks. You need to build. I'm expecting double the amount. It's heavy. This is what this man is feeling. He feels like the trouble is consuming him. It's out of control. He's near death. That's the first section. That's heavy. Now you think, okay, some light. Some light. But let's look at the second section, verses 8 to 10. Now God removes every person close to him. He's all on his own, verse 8. He even says, my, my, my people see me as something as disgusting. And I know where your minds are going, right? Job, right? We'll get to that later. He says he, he looks disgusting that his friends hide from him. I don't want anything to do with you. Nobody wants to be near him. We don't know why he is left like this. Maybe he was sick or he was a leper. We don't know. But people are, are putting him away. They're cancelling him. We see in verse 8 that he knows that God is bringing this upon him. He's acknowledging that God is sovereign. God is allowing these things to happen in his life. His unending tears makes his eyes swell up of all the trouble. Verse 9. But again, the writer says he is surrendering himself to who? To God. 
He is lifting up his palms, showing God his dependence. God, you are the one that can save and deliver me. He totally surrenders to God, verse 9. And now we see in verse 10 that he's asking these questions, which is really comforting just on the side. True lament is asking good questions and finding the answers in the Bible. And we see this. The psalmist is asking God questions. God, reveal yourself to me in this time of trouble. I need you. Brother, sister, just something for free. We need to realize that our suffering can be a form of worship. I believe that's what the psalmist is doing here. He's asking questions. God, reveal yourself to me. Hear my cry when I cry out to you in time of need. If we suffer well, it's an act of worship. Because we acknowledge God as the sovereign God over all things. And we expect Him to deliver us. Because He is sovereign. Suffering in the right way can be an act of worship. The psalmist is trying to persevere in this time of trouble. Now again, there's a pause. And we think, okay, light is on the way. Verse 11 to 18. But I've got some sad news. There is no light. The writer continues asking a series of questions. The psalmist is appealing to God to his loving kindness, his faithfulness, and his righteousness. Verses 11 to 14. He continues asking, why God, why have you removed my soul from me? He is troubled by this. He's asking questions. But the silence from God is deafening. Between the two sets of questions in verse 11 and 14, you can see that he goes to God in prayer once again. He writes about the troubles and the terrors that surround him. I can remember before I was saved, I I had this reoccurring dream of me driving in a car on a wonderful, slopey downhill with a beautiful lake next to me, and then all of a sudden I burst through the barrier into the lake, and the water is filling up, and I can't get my safety belt off, and the water just fills up. It's too much. I'm going to drown. And this is what the psalmist is going through. He's panicking. He again feels the biggest sorrow. It's not dying. It's not his affliction. But it's to be cut off from God. That is why he's continually asking God, God, where are you? Answer me, please. He feels he is cut off from God and nobody shares this with him. He's all alone. And he's drowning in his sorrows. Verse 17 and 18. In verse 18, everyone has left him now. He's all on his own. You think God left him? He's drowning in his sorrow of life and everything is too much for him. Where from here? And what should we make of all of this sorrow? How is this going to help us in our time of distress, in our time of lament and darkness? Can you identify with the psalmist? Have you ever felt this way? Where life is just too much to bear? Relationships? Broken relationships? You're all on your own? 
a loss of job, loss of health, being afflicted day and night. You might be overwhelmed and feel helpless and weak, abandoned and rejected by others. Because of these feelings and trials, you are tired and exhausted and you are ready to give up hope. But as I always tell the people that I counsel, there is always hope. There is always hope. It might sound strange when I say this, but it's human to think that way. It's human to feel like you want to give up hope. And that is why we have God. And here is the first ray of sun that comes from the dark song. And it is our partner in the pit of darkness. There is only one God. The psalmist knows that. And that is why he's calling out to God. In verse 1 he says, Lord, God of my salvation. He acknowledges that God is the only true God. He is the only one that can save him. And he calls out to God. Throughout the whole psalm, he acknowledges God as the true God. And we need to realize that nothing is out of God's control. He realizes that. And that is why he's calling out to God. As we see in Job's case, God is always in control. Why? Why did he put the psalmist, why did he put Job through all these struggling and tough, difficult times. In short, God wanted to show all of life that He is God. He is the one. He is the creator. He is the giver and taker of life. He is sovereign and He is in control. And He allows these things to happen for His glory. We see a, a wonderful promise in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. And it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Brother, sister, what comfort is that? To know that the God we serve is the God that is always present. The God that is always in control. A God that loves us. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And He keeps you in His hand. But I fear one thing, though. I fear that in today's day and age, the world has got a, a deafening sound in our ears that is always putting it across our, our eyes and our ears, saying, you are, you are worthy. You, you don't deserve this. Your best life is now. That is what they tell us. Brother, sister, I fear that all of this, all of the, the sounds of the world telling us that we need to live our best life now, is actually hindering us. It is hindering us. And it deters our, it casts our focus on the wrong things. It stops us from actually suffering well. To think, God, I don't deserve to be in this t difficult situation. God, oh, this is too tough. I need to live my best life now. Well, that's what I've been told. Brother, sister, if we can cast our eyes to the glorious God for who He is, that'll equip us 
to suffer well. That will help us to move our eyes from our situation to God, the Almighty God that is able to save us and deliver us from our situation. He is in control of, in, of everything that happens in our life. We might not understand why certain things are happening. I don't have all the answers for all the difficulty in your life or in mine. But we need to remind ourselves that no matter what happens, God is in control. He's a loving God that wants to deliver us. And all things will work out for good. Romans 8.28 says this. Paul says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. Paul does not say, Well, you know, maybe. Well, there's a chance that it might work out. No, 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 no. He says, We know, we know it will, whether it's in this life or the next. I spoke to my youngest son, Tyler, last night and this morning, and he told me, he says, Daddy, I'm a bit confused. I said, yes, bud, what what, what are you confused about? And he says, so you are going to bed And you say it's Saturday. Well, we are preparing to go to church and it's Sunday, but we're talking to each other. I mean, he's got no concept of time zones. (laughs) He says, I'm confused. So, hang on a second. So you're going to sleep now while we're awake and we're going to church. You're not going to church. I thought you said you're preaching. (laughs) That's tomorrow, my boy. Yeah, but today is... I mean, it was a whole conversation. And this morning, I woke up and I gave him a call. I said, hey, bud, it's Sunday. Daddy's going to preach. He says, but we finished with church. And the whole conversation started all over again. It's confusing for this little guy. He's seven. Bless him. But what he does understand is that he's got a dad. He sees his dad. And then the conversation ended with this. He says, dad... How many sleeps till you come home? I said, my boy, two more sleeps. And he said, oh, good. Then I'll see you face to face and all will be well. And that is what we need to keep in mind when we go through a time as Psalm 88. We can't see our Father, but we have His Holy Spirit. And we can look forward to the day when He returns. And then we can also say, it is well. It is well. And that is what I believe Paul is saying in Romans 8. That he says, I know it will. It will work out. This short time on earth now might be the darkest time in your life. But if you are in Christ Jesus, even this will pass. One day. He goes further and he says... In verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. 
More than that, who was raised up. That is where we find our hope during a time as in Psalm 88. He says, he goes further. He says, who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? And praise God, it's Jesus. He's alive. And then in verse 35 he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Who's going through tribulation? Yeah? Tribulation? Or distress? Or persecution? Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Oh, praise the Lord for Jesus Christ, brother and sister. That if our faith is in Jesus, all things, we know that it will work out for us. Might not be today. Might not be tomorrow. But when Christ comes again, all things will be well. And we have Bible for this. The classic biblical example is Joseph, as I said earlier. Huge trials. Huge. In the pit. Then he got out of the pit. He thought they were going to kill him. Then he was sold to slavery. Then he went to Potiphar's house and he was accused of rape. Next trial. Next trial. Then he got locked up in jail. Then there was a promise. Oh, I'll remember you to call you out. What happened? Oh, he forgot about him. Next trial. Next trial. For what? God had a purpose. Joseph might have seen the one side of the coin, but there's always two sides to the same coin. God had a plan. Through Joseph, he would deliver his chosen nation from slavery, which is a beautiful picture for us. Christ came to deliver us from slavery. So in your circumstances, you might see one side of the coin, but there is another side of the coin. If we step back, Turn our eyes to God. That's where we find our answer. Job is the same. Listen to what Job says in Job 1 verses 20 to 22. He says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Can you see again? Job worshipping God in his time of trouble. Working through a good way of lament, asking honest questions, and finding the answer in God by turning your eyes away from your situation and up to God. That is where you find comfort. If you have time today, I would encourage you to go read Job 38 and 39. Humanly speaking, if you think, well, Job's asking God questions, right? Now, humanly speaking, I would think God would say, okay, Job, just sit down. I'll give you the answers. Because Job, in Job, it does say God answers Job, right? Humanly thinking, I would think, it's like, okay, Lord, Why am I going through this? Well, Job, you're going through this and this and this because of this and this and this reason. But if you go read Job 38 to 39 and see how God answers Job, 
my human little brain would not be able to have even thought about this. Here's a couple of examples. Job 38 verse 4, he says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Okay, Lord, but that's not an answer to why I'm going through my struggles. Verse 8, Who shuts in the sea with doors? I've never thought of that. Verse 17, have the gates of death been revealed to you? Or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? can't say that I did. Verse 33. Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Do you know how that all worked? No, I, I don't think I have. But can you see, brother and sister, that God is telling Job, I'm not going to give you an answer why you are suffering, but I'm going to give you a solution. A solution of your troubles is to focus on me, right? Lord, I am struggling. I've had body aches for the last four years. I've experienced a church split. I've experienced people deserting me. Family that's dying. I've experienced a pandemic. I've experienced being closed off from people. Lord, why? Those are good questions. But then the answer is, turn to God. God is the majestic and glorious God, creator of heaven and earth. He is the one that's put you in that place. Why? To bring glory to Him through your suffering. He loved us before we loved Him. And that's only because of Jesus. And we see the same as the psalmist. The psalmist realizes to be cut off from God is the worst thing that can ever happen to him. And that is why he's crying out to God. In the beginning of the verses, we see the psalmist puts his hope in God, even in the darkest days of his life. He says, Lord, I, I don't want you to save me from my struggles, but please save me from being cut off from you. The psalmist knows that even though he's going through probably the worst trial any person can go through, he has God to turn to. And I want to encourage you today, whatever you go through, God is there to hear your prayers. We might be going through the darkest time of our life, but we are safe in the Father's hands. We should remind ourselves of this. Even though we are going through the darkest hour of our lives, we are still not cut off from God. And that is if you are in Christ Jesus. It is tough to think that even when you feel far away from God, and you feel like He's not answering or hearing your prayers, He is there. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is all because of Jesus. I love the, the passage that was read earlier because it summarizes the gospel from this dark psalm. The dark pit, right? Family, the gospel gives us hope and helps us persevere through a time like Psalm 88. It's because we know that Jesus is our partner in the pit. He holds us fast. Christ endured the ultimate pit of rejection. And that is why we can endure. I want to read this passage again, Matthew 27, 45 to 50. It says, Now for the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. 
That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Brother, sister, Jesus went through this dark hour so that you don't have to. The darkness of eternal death. That is why he endured this darkness. And then again, like our psalmist experienced, 46 and, uh, 47, 7, uh, 48, even the bystanders, they're mocking him while he's dying for their sin. Then 49, uh, 50, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. His spirit was downcast. He experienced darkness. Why? So that we don't have to. You might go through a dark time right now, but hold on to the thought that when Jesus comes again, all will be fine. And it's because of Jesus. He persevered. He's our partner in the dark pit. But because of Jesus, because of Jesus that saved us, and He restored the relationship between us and the Father, He adopted us into a family. This family, the church. He has placed us in the church. And these people are our partners in the pit. So because of our ultimate partner, Jesus Christ, in the pit, we have each other in the pit. And we need to hold hands in the pit. Work together, running the race together. Brother, sister, when we run the race together, we are strengthened. We need to share in each other's happiness, but also share in each other's trials. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. We are all together. Romans 12.15 says, Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those who weep. We are part of one body, Jesus, which puts us into another body, the church. And we need to work together in the, and partnering in the pit. When we know of someone in the pit, we can come alongside them. If, you, if you're that person in the pit, reach out to another person. Some practical examples. Just a, a listening ear and a shoulder to cry on. Man, that goes far. To know that someone is praying specifically for your need. Wow, that strengthens us. Brother, sister, if, if someone is suffering, going through a hard time, make them a meal. Go drop it off and, and serve them through that way. Send them a message over and a reminder of our partner, ultimate partner in the pit. Give them a lift to a doctor's appointment, especially if you think that they are going to receive bad news. Then you're there. You can pray for them. You can hold their hand. Babysit their kids for a day or two. It's going to be tough. If you have my kids. But listen to one another. Brother, sister, the world's troubles, and I appreciated Michael's prayer this morning, the division we see, First John is all about love, love in the body. We need to set those disagreements aside and, and love one another. We're in one body. But as we have seen, we have a faithful partner in the pit, and that is why we have one another as partners as well. 
But this brings us to our second and last ray of sunshine. What does the psalmist continually do? Our prayer in the pit of darkness. After every pause, there is a verse saying, he is praying. Verse 1, verse 9, verse 13. The psalmist writes, he says, I cry out, I call out, I cry out to you, asking God to hear his prayers. So he knows who his partner is, it's God. How do we get to that? Through prayer. It is God he is praying to. Not some God, not some statue or a flower or an animal. No, it's the God. The God that created all those things. God, Emmanuel. It says God with us. He's asking God to hear him because God allowed him to be here. God allowed these circumstances. And he, he's praying day and night. Sunrise, sunset. Before he goes to bed, after he gets up. He continues in prayer. Even though he goes through this horrible time, there's one thing that he clings to, and it's prayer. He's praying to God. Because he knows that God is the only one that can restore control in his life. Even though he feels like dying, he still perseveres. Brother, sister, the last thing I want to do this morning is to make light of your suffering. But I want to encourage you. If you feel hopeless... If you feel like God is not hearing you in in your prayers, continue, persevere. The psalmist did not forget God and he's crying out to God so that God can save him. Even when it feels like your prayers are bouncing back from the ceiling, you must continue praying. When God is silent when we pray, it does not mean that he does not hear it. He wants to teach us. He wants us to to go the extra mile in in reaching out and persevere in prayer. It is through prayer that our faith gets strengthened. We should carry on praying, searching our souls and do what the psalmist did. Persevere in prayer. He never gave up. He kept on praying. He does not understand why he's going through this trial, but he knows that I need to get to God in prayer. And there's hope. With God. He might not get any answers, but he is not going to stop. Brother, sister, true faith lies in wrestling with God in prayer. Life is tough. However much we pray, our, our troubles might even increase. But that should not make us stop praying. Uh, prayer is not this little magical wand or or a genie lamp that we rub and poof, our troubles disappears. No, it's an act of faith. It's an act that we show God our dependence. God, I'm coming to you. You are the ultimate. You the creator of heaven and earth. Listen to 1 Peter 5. Verses 6 to 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That is just an expression of, Lord, you the ultimate Savior. You are sovereign. Why should we do that? That He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him. Why? For He cares for you. Brother, sister, if you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, You have this gift, this wonderful, powerful gift of prayer 
to come to the Lord and ask. Wrestle with Him in questions. Wrestle through faith in Him. God cares for those that is with Him. And that makes all the difference. It comforts us. His loving hands comes around, around us. We should practically live by prayer, casting our anxieties onto His loving hands. And that is why Jesus died. It's for our sin, but also to reconcile us with the Father. That open relationship that we can reach out to our Father. Brother, sister, if something is big enough to worry about, it's big enough to take it to our Father in prayer. Remember that. So in closing, so though the psalm ends on a dark note, faith triumphs. The psalmist has learned to look to God, the God that saves. Even though there is darkness, grief and loneliness, and he's near death, the psalmist knows as long as there is life, there is hope. If you are still breathing, brother and sister, there is hope. He knows as long as God is still with him and he is alive, there is hope. But because each of us are unique, we face unique circumstances. Different circumstances that bring about different and unique challenges. Not one believer, not one believer is immune to suffering. And we need to understand that as we live together in a body. But it is what we do in times of darkness. When we wander in the pits of despair, that brings growth. And brings glory to our God. We only get to experience the joy of this test now when we endure it. And when Christ comes again. Brother, sister, we we need to humbly come before our God. We need to pray the Bible. We need to be honest with God. We need to be specific in our prayers to God. And we need to pray as a community. We need to pray together. We need to pray for one another. In our church in Brackenhurst, we normally come uh, together on a Sunday evening, and that's our wonderful family time, just loving on each other, but have specific time of prayer. We'll break up in smaller groups, and then there are some times that we have single items of prayer, assigned prayers, but that's a wonderful time, just sharing testimonies, praying for suffering, praying for these times of need. And it's a wonderful time. And that is what we need to do as a body together, wrestling with these troublesome times together. And in our problems and in our temptations, nothing could be better. Because we have partners, we have prayer, that we can come together. The trial or temptation you are going through might never lift, it, lift itself off your shoulders. But again, we have one another to lift you up. Christ is there and his body is there. And God will make you whole with him in heaven one day. Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father, preparing mansions for us to have fellowship with him one day. The psalmist's last word was darkness. But it does not have to be yours. Let us hold fast to our partner in prayer and remind ourselves of where the hope is. Let us pray.
our miraculous God. We know that you are the true God and that is why we offer up our praise. Lord, we love Psalm 88. Lord, we love it because you bring light to a dark psalm like this. Lord, we love it because we can identify with this and that is why we ask you, Lord, show us grace. Help us to love you more. Help our eyes to reach you. Lord, I pray that you would help our hearts to be inclined to learn and be more with you and and help us to grow in the knowledge of our glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help our ears to turn into eyes, that whenever we hear Scripture, that we would see you and that that would give us hope in a dark time like Psalm 88. Lord, I, I pray for this congregation. Lord, we pray that you would help them be united in the faith. Lord, that they would support one another. Lord, and that you would get glory through their living and through all of their loving each other. Lord, we pray that you would bless them and through that bring glory to your name. Lord, we love you and we pray that your name would be glorified through us living out our faith. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.